It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. You know, when you use your cell phone, save being hacked or targeted by a nation state, you'd like to think that, generally, your telco is making it at least a little difficult for an attacker to target your phone data. Well, what if I told you that an industry standard for some phone carriers is making it easier to do things like spoofing your phone number or intercepting your text messages? On this week's Cyber, we've got Vice Reporter Joseph Cox to tell us about the problem with Rich Communication Services, RCS, standard. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. So, Joseph, another one of your sketchy little nuggets for us to discuss. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it that. <laughs> yeah, one of my uh, articles about people doing sketchy stuff. Yeah, I love how I sketchy I, nugget. Yeah, yeah, I love how I, I completely diminished your 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 award winning career. <laughs> uh, yeah, just <laughs> straight to it. Let's call it that from now on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So let's let's. I mean, this is a great one because I think it's it's something that everyone could be affected by, and it's it's something that's going to affect the future of mm-hmm. our cell phones, mm-hmm. something you're increasingly interested in. Mm-hmm. So just to start it off, w- let's talk about RCS. What is it? And what's, what's sort of the difference between RCS and SMS? Sure. So RCS is a standard, which is, you know, a set of rules or guidelines that telcos will follow to get this new technology. It's essentially the replacement for SMS. So whereas SMS is obviously just text, RCS is stuff like, I don't know, images and videos and file sharing. It's kind of like moving SMS up to WhatsApp, you know, sort of an upgrade there. And you would bolt it on to 3G, 4G, 5G, whatever. And it just makes communication that much richer, hence the name. And this is something that telcos are trying to get onto their networks. Uh, Google is making its own communication app with that. It's just the the upgrade to SMS. Uh, and to be honest, it's surprising that it took this long to get something. And the idea was, of course, to make it more secure. But as the story shows, that isn't really the case. Because that's, that's kind of what this is about. I mean, like, it, it's interesting. In the last few years, we started seeing stuff where hacks were based off of MMS or SMS and finding vulnerabilities in them. So this was a complete reaction to that, and yet, what did you find? Yeah, this is supposed to be the upgrade, it's supposed to be more secure, but it's reintroducing all of these old attacks like text interception, voice interception, spoofing phone numbers, that sort of thing. Um, So this research comes from security research labs or SR labs uh, run by Carson Knoll, a cybersecurity researcher who's done lots of stuff on telcos, SS7, all of this sort of interception stuff. And of course, they've been looking at this legacy protocols and SMS, whatever, for years and years and years. So they're finally getting around to looking at the modern stuff. And it turns out, oh, God, this is full of holes as well, at least the way that some of the telcos are deploying it. I mean, to be clear, it's not like there's an issue in RCS itself. It's how you know, Vodafone or another telco may take that technology, that standard, deploy it in their own way with their own mistakes and open up holes um, for hackers. It's just kind of a sloppy implementation issue. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm wondering. I mean, is this is this completely widespread? Like, what do we know exactly in terms of, do we know what the problem with Vodafone 
how they're deploying RCS? Do we know what the problem with AT&T's deployment of RCS is, or is, or is this sort of unknown? Yeah, it's a little bit hazy. So uh, SR Labs estimate that around 100 telcos use RCS around the world. They figured this out by buying a load of SIM cards, using them, and looking for the phones communicating with RCS infrastructure, you know, intercepting it and saying, oh, okay, well, this connects to this domain, so it's probably using this service. Uh, and then they went and found individual security issues with some of those SIM cards. They didn't in their research say, hey, AT&T has this issue, Vodafone has this issue. I asked them, of course, to tell me that, but they uh, declined to do so because they want to do responsible disclosure and that sort of thing, which is fair enough. Um, they then extrapolated that, well, of all of the sample set we had, every single one we looked at had an issue, so it must be you know, really, really widespread across the entire industry. I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that, with that, you know, extrapolation. But of course, we did go to uh, the big US telcos and ask them, hey, do you have an issue with RCS? Most of them directed us to the GSMA, which is sort of a trade body for telcos. You know, it can be the one voice of the entire industry. And they said, yes, we're aware of the research and we're having a meeting with um, SR Labs soon where we'll discuss it. So it's not like the issue has been fixed and it's going to be very case by case but at least the telcos know hey people have found these issues with your networks and it looks like they're going to address them but the thing with a standard is you know sms or now rcs these things aren't product rollouts this isn't like rolling out the iphone or a version of android's operating system they'll be updated in two three four months this standard's going to be here as intended, for years, if not decades. So if there are issues early on, you kind of want to sort them as soon as possible. I mean, so long story short, what you're saying is <laughs> there are a bunch of telcos that have problems with their RCS, likely. We don't know exactly who, mm. but there's a likely widespread problem where it makes it easier to spoof your phone number, mm -hmm. to intercept text messages, and... We don't really know much more than that. No, yeah, and I suppose that's because this is the first piece of research essentially into RCS, and there's going to be more. Um, as mentioned, Google is using it for its own sort of chat program. I'm sure people will look into that implementation. Uh, more information about individual telcos will probably come out. And I mean, I'm not in a rush. This is going to be here. <laughs> this is going to be here for ages. I love what, <laughs> there's, there's, there's going to be a lot more coming out. Everybody right? else's hacking nightmare is your bread and butter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is going to generate stories, I mean, not for years and years and years, I don't want to overblow it, but it's going to be here for a while, and of course more issues are going to come up. At the same time, some may be fixed as well, but this isn't the last we'll hear from RCS, not whatsoever. And we, we haven't seen an incident where some sort of black hat hacker, or any hacker for that matter, utilizing the flaws in RCS to hack somebody. Not that we're aware of yet. I mean, one of the issues that the team from SR Labs pointed out was that to connect to RCS, your phone to connect to this place where it can do all these messages, the network will say, oh, you're connecting from that IP address, that's great, I'll let you in, and then you can see all your text messages. Um, of course, any other app on your phone shares the same IP address, so theoretically you could make a malicious app, get it on someone's phone, and then that, because it has the same IP, could then go and access your text messages as well. This is just one of the security issues they raise, but there, there seems to be no indication yet that it's been in the wild. But again, this is early days of a relatively new standard. Not a great 
year and a bit for telcos, like simjacking, mm-hmm. you know, selling, selling location data. Whether it's on your phone, on your computer, at work, wherever it is, we're typically always plugged in. And your cell phone carrier understands that. And they have actually, according to new lawsuits, uh, been using your location data and selling it to third parties without any regard for what these third parties are actually going to do with that information. It's just, it's not been a good year. Yeah. Um, As we were talking uh, earlier, I really think that phones were basically a mistake. I'm I'm being like half facetious and I I. Sometimes I think I'm being 100% serious. It depends what mood I'm in. But the SIM jacking, where it's incredibly easy to uh, take over a phone number for impersonation or something like that. These issues with standards, with SS7. Um, and then, as you said, the phone location uh, data selling. Telcos are just these dinosaurs. They keep introducing more and more vulnerabilities to essentially the piece of technology that's most central to our life. And this was supposed to be one of the things that was going to make it better, and sure, it's not a doomsday scenario, but it still has a lot of security holes in it. I, yeah, I mean, exactly. This is the thing is that, and we, I, we've talked about this in this show, but, you know, the problem with cell phones, cell phones are amazing. We get to do everything on them, everything in our lives on them. It, they hold our lives, but that's precisely the problem with them, right? Because they're also hooked up to the dinosaurs that are maybe not completely protecting them properly. Yeah, exactly. And... Just this RCS issue may be, you know, a new thing on the horizon, but it is still emblematic of this broader industry problem with the telcos, where it's just one thing after another. There's so much room for for different attacks when it comes to telcos, whether that's, you know, authenticating the device when you go to the shop so you don't get simjacked or whatever, or the network itself. There's just, there's always something new uh, in hacking phone networks, even though they're literally decades and decades old. Well, so that's the thing, is that it's another example, just another example, of our apps or our technologies seemingly becoming more bulletproof, more insanely advanced, and yet they're never completely secure. I mean, that's just InfoSec <laughs> in a nutshell, right? <laughs> Um, it is. But yeah, I, I, I guess we'll just see if they fix it, but there'll be, there'll be more to come. Yeah. Well, that's a great to be continued. Sure, exactly. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. So we're back. Cypher's back after Do Thanksgiving. Do we have music? No, we don't have music yet. We got to get music. We're getting music. We're getting music. That's a, do you ever introduce me? Do people even know who I am? Okay. I, this is Jason Kebler, the editor-in-chief of Motherboard and thank you. Vice's it feels, Tech. feels so good. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Great. Feels good? Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, just, I wish everyone could see you, you flick your hair back right you now. You do that for everyone else who's on the show. And like you, when we do Cypher, you're just like, oh, here's like this dude I dragged in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel. So Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, you ready? Yeah. I'm okay, ready. cool. I'm ready. So this is this is this is a, a story that is calling back to the grave of Carolyn Haskins. I know. Who used to be with uh, us. The late great Caroline Haskins, <laughs> yes. who has uh she's gone on to a better place. Ooh, it's better, isn't it's, it? It's not better. Uh <laughs> but BuzzFeed News. BuzzFeed News. Yeah. Great story uh, though. Great story. Yeah, so by the time this airs, there will have been three stories, actually. We're running a three-part series. These are the last three stories that Caroline did for us here at uh, the Good Ship Motherboard. And it's uh, all of her reporting on Ring, which is Amazon's home surveillance doorbell company. She was on this beat more than anybody else in the country. Yeah, I think something worth uh, mentioning about Caroline is that she is... She has the ability to get obsessed with something that reporters really need uh, in a way that I find to be very inspiring. Uh, when she was an intern for us, she filed like hundreds of FOIAs during her college classes, uh, which if anyone has ever filed a Freedom of Information Act request, it's something that is pretty boring to do. Uh, you can mm-hmm. kind of automate the process and you can... Uh, do them quickly once you know what you're doing, but still to be filing them during class is like, takes a lot of dedication. And then you often get back just like pages and pages of documents, most of which you don't really have context for. A lot of times they're redacted. uh, And in this case, Caroline used, I think she filed maybe three or 400 FOIAs over the course of six months to a year and got back tens of thousands of pages and I think she read probably all of them uh, <laughs> yeah I, th- I think I think probably all of them um, and these were emails documents uh, contracts etc sent between Amazon's ring which is this home doorbell company and cops all around the country which I think we've probably talked about on a previous episode of cyber but basically they have set up these partnerships with cops all over the US Uh, that allows the cops to get uh, video footage that's that's been filmed by these doorbell cameras without a warrant. So what they're able to do is they're able to go directly to to the homeowner or the person who owns the ring and ask for that footage. And because they're giving it over voluntarily, which uh, Amazon has been coaching police on how to ask for this in a way that makes it seem like it's not a request, but a requirement. And then they're able to get this footage and then they can, you know, prosecute people or or use it in their investigations, which is not good. Um, And people have these, like these are very, very popular smart doorbells. They're doorbells that have cameras on them. Uh, People use them to film kids trick-or-treating. They use them to film uh, people delivering packages, people knocking on their doors, et cetera, et cetera. And the, as you'd imagine, the vast majority of what they capture is just random people walking by or random people, you know, knocking on doors, delivering a pizza or whatever. These people did not ask to be surveilled. There's no reason to surveil them. And uh, yeah, it's it's just like this private surveillance network that's been built from the ground up that is now being uh, turned into a law enforcement tool. And, you know, th- this is a great series or this story in particular, the headline is perfect because it really illustrates it. It says how this company, how Ring, has gone from a Shark Tank reject 
to the probably one of the scariest surveillance companies in America. But you know, I think this this it was, it was my it was my it was a great my, it, was, it was my headline idea. By the way. <laughs> Yeah, I, should, I thought it was great. I did think it was thank great. You. I thought it was fantastic. I tweeted it was a fantastic headline. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, so um, this first piece is sort of about the history of Ring and where it came from. And as you mentioned, uh, the founder of Ring, his, guy, his name is uh, Jamie Siminoff. Uh, he was on Shark Tank back in like 2010, which is that game show on CBS, possibly. I don't know. One of the... Mark Cuban I, is yeah, on Mark it. Mark Cuban's on it. It's, it's like a bunch of assholes. People, yeah. like it's like it's basically like it's like the nineties. Let's roll a clip of him of him uh, Mark promoting. Cuban doing something. Yeah. No, let's roll a clip of uh, Jamie Siminoff promoting Ring. We have a clip. Okay, roll it. Introducing the doorbot, the first ever video doorbell built for the smartphone. The sharks went out one by one. It's really not an internet play. It's a consumer device. I just don't think it's for me. This company instead of being worth seven million could be worth. 80 million, 90 million. I just don't see that progression. And for that reason, I'm out. But CEO Jamie Siminoff walked out of the tank and straight to the bank. Doorbot, now renamed Ring, is reported to be valued at $460 million, the most of any company to appear on Shark Tank. And then, yeah, so the sharks didn't like it and it got rejected. But meanwhile, he kept going and he rebranded Doorbot, which was the original name for Ring, into Ring, uh, and it went from being this, like, goofy doorbell camera to, like, uh, keep home intruders out of your house type <laughs> vibe. Yeah, and then a couple years later, they started doing uh, partnerships with police, and then I think it was still last year, maybe it was 2017, uh, Amazon bought them for nearly $1 billion, and now it's just, like, one of the biggest smart home things. And... I don't know. I guess you can see the appeal. Like people like to buy gadgets. People run out of things to buy their loved ones for Christmas or their birthday. So they're like, "Hey, also, you wouldn't like this uh, doorbell camera?" I gotta say, like Americans, y- y- y'all love security systems. It's just insane. Like I know there are security systems in Canada. Don't get me wrong, but the amount of like love and talking about it and people referring to their security—it's—it's it's crazy. Yeah, I can't speak to this, but it's—it's. It's, astounding how much joy my dad gets out of like uh his gps in the car it's just like wow like (laughs) he's like well yeah the gps told him to go this way and he like named the gps like woman and things of this nature and i'd imagine that that's probably what people do with their with their homes yeah i mean there was i was watching home alone over the weekend uh good film first part of the Film. There's like a, a section where like the 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 wet bandits, wet bandits. Right? Haven't seen it for a while. I saw. I mean, anyways, I they, seven when I saw it. They, one of them, Joe Pesci's character, fakes being a cop and goes to their house and talks to Kevin's dad. And, and Kevin's dad goes like, "Yeah, the security in the place is amazing." And starts rattling off how there's like alarms over every window and blah blah. blah. I'm just like, jeez. I know back, it's. Yeah. It's just like this stuff is just. I know it's very popular to put a sticker, like an ADT sticker, saying that you have a home surveillance yeah. device, but then not actually have one. It's like way cheaper to just put the sticker. But I think now people actually just buy the doorbell. Yeah. The 200 bucks. Yeah. Anyway, so great story. Uh, Caroline Haskins, now just a friend of the show, no longer a staff of the show. Yeah. Um, this one is just Sam Cole is just a classic one. I saw it and I, I had to had to include it in this roundup. Cypher, sorry, Cypher. 
Researchers are using eye-tracking technology to help craft the perfect boob. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't so, say that wrong. <laughs> so I have this uh, thing where Sam and Emmanuel and I work very closely together. Mm-hmm. And Sam and Emmanuel will just send me what uh, we like to call crimes, which is just like crimes against humanity, crimes that are, you know, actual crimes and blogs. It's just like they're often just researching things that are just like truly fucked up and weird. And, and also just, just like, like creepy. And I'm just, yeah, I'm creepy. just like, what are you bringing me now? So yeah. they're like, Jason, we have another crime for you. And this time, uh, the th- only thing they sent me was just a, an image of the diagram, which the diagram is like <laughs> it speaks for a, itself. <laughs> a pair of breasts that uh, have been segmented into like 25 different segments uh, with like a red line and then labeled. And yeah, as the headline of the article suggests, some plastic surgeons in I, some plastic surgeons in I believe Poland have been asking women and men to uh, look at breasts. I think that they're um, like models, and then they're using the eye tracking technology to see which part they're gravitating toward, and then they're trying to build breast implants based on this, hmm. which you know extreme that's a little like that's, that's a little extensive i gotta say yeah i mean like <laughs> disclaimer here like there's no perfect breasts like this is a really like all the women that they use were white all the uh all of them were very skinny like i don't know it's just it's pretty problematic science we have going on here but uh, i mean i think i think the whole idea of creating the perfect any physical appendage like that is just like it, there's a lot of cultural bias, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's just, it's kind of a fucked up thing to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it was a good story because it's like, here's what, oh, these, yeah. here's what these scientists are up to. <laughs> also, the extent to which I'm sure these scientists are... Would you be many shocked dudes? to yeah. learn that they were all men? Yeah, it's like <laughs> the extent to which dudes will fucking pull this kind of garbage. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's just a, it's a bin you, that'll never stop giving. Yeah, so that's Sam's latest... And now in the latest in a giant media conglomerate screwing its workers, Hearst. Yeah, so Hearst is, uh, I think, the second largest uh, magazine conglomerate out there. There's Condé Nast, which has like the New Yorker and GQ and Wired and Vogue and a couple others. Vanity Fair? uh, Yeah, that one. (laughs) Uh, And then Hearst has like Esquire, Harper's Bazaar, Good Housekeeping, Men's Health, the Oprah magazine, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So... Earlier this, well, I guess last month now, their workers announced that they were unionizing with the Writers Guild of America, which uh, Vice is unionized with and a couple other people are unionized with as well. Gang, gang. Yeah, and it's like, it's a good thing. I mean, uh, media has unionized in general over the last few years. Vice was one of the first. I was a part of that. I'm no longer a part of the union because I'm now management. I'm uh, the man over here. Yeah. But in any case, like unionization has been very good. It's... uh, gotten us a lot of benefits. It's raised uh, salaries sort of across the board. And it's been overall a good thing for, I think, our newsroom and probably the company too, uh, because we've helped them fix a lot of the problems. So anyways, Hearst uh, employees announced that they're unionizing and uh, Hearst's CEO and I guess, you know, their HR and who uh, who knows, like Hearst executives have created this microsite that uh, it's basically like a union busting microsite that is like, here's what will happen if you unionize. Uh, 
you know, you don't have a choice in the matter. All of this bad stuff will happen. Just and classic, like, anti-union Yeah, it's very drivel. classic, and it's stuff that we've seen uh, sort of, like, in the energy field. We've seen it uh, among tech workers. We saw some of this stuff at Kickstarter when we were writing about Kickstarter's unionization efforts. And I think it's just uh, important to stay on this stuff because there are, like, these various firms that you can hire if you're a company to basically run, like, propaganda campaigns and psyops to like convince your workers not to unionize and it's super expensive to hire these people so that's like tells you how much they hate these unions well i mean hearst after the great william randolph hearst who we know is uh, a cultural specter of kind of what is known as a you terrible gonna, media guy you gonna give us a uh, history lesson here William Randolph Hearst, it's like he's like the original media was baron. He, yeah, was he a robber baron? Does I that think count? he was a robber baron, actually. Yeah, damn. And, I mean, isn't isn't Citizen Kane? Like, Citizen Kane's got like a... Ben, I, I don't know. I've, I saw Citizen Kane, but it, the movie is so old, I have no idea. No, William Randolph Hearst, Citizen Kane. Well, there you go. Next Next article. Can I talk about the next article? I'm yeah, going to talk is, about the next article. Is. Sorry, I'm just, I'm, now I'm Googling. I'm like, no, I got it right. Yeah, let's talk about the next article. This one, again, we had him on the show earlier. Joseph, he's back. Joseph is the sketchiest man I know. And I say that in, in the nicest way. He's, he's he, on top of the sketch for the rest of us. He didn't mention this, did he? No. I mean, this, this story is <laughs> the headline. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> so uh, the FBI has caught a drug dealer an alleged drug dealer who was selling drugs on the PlayStation Network. Selling cocaine, let's be selling, serious. Yeah, selling coke. So a, a coke dealer, a coke uh, kingpin. Coke kingpin. Yeah, who was... <laughs> on, uh, on PS... Yeah, on, PS4. on PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, the search warrant that we were able to obtain does not say which game they were playing, <laughs> but like it had to be Call of Duty, probably. I, I mean, those people, they're either... It's, a, it's likely Call of Duty players. I could see them using coke. Yeah, and so, but the interesting thing is Just that like, <laughs> it's like... I'll fucking kill that guy, man. Wow, that is really uh, some, that? Lovely, some lovely sound effects there. You like that? Yeah. Um, no, so th- there's a couple interesting wrinkles to this because there's one, it's like, what came first, the gaming or the coke dealing? Uh, <laughs> I think probably the coke dealing, and then they were like, oh, the feds will never find us on... Um, on PlayStation, like, this is where we'll run our operations or this this is where I'll do it, um, which obviously, like, your communications on PlayStation Network are not encrypted. However, it is one of those things where it's like, well, maybe they're not looking here. Uh, turns out they are. Um, <laughs> so it's like, A, how widely is the FBI surveilling the PlayStation Network? B, uh, how much crime is happening on the PlayStation Network? And C, uh, the FBI... Part of their search warrant was asking for, like, this person's stats to basically be, like, this is a shell account. Like, this person isn't actually a gamer because they don't have, like, platinum trophies. They haven't, like... I just want to know... I want to know what pushing drugs on, a, <laughs> like, a PlayStation Network's like. Dude, there's, like... Like, uh, yo, man, you know, you know how much better you'd be at there's, killing... There's some chat logs on there. I think it, I think it was more like, hey... Meet me on the PlayStation Network. I will, uh, like, meet me on Call of Duty. I'll deal you drugs versus, like, posting up on, like, the streets of uh, Iraq in um, 
in Call of Duty and yeah. being like, yo, you want some drugs? You want that you good, want good? Yay? You want that Pablo Yesco bar? Yeah. We still call it yay or no? I don't know. Do you call it yay? I don't call it yay. Who I, calls it yay? I, I think rappers. Ah, I think it's dated. Okay. Personally, anyway. It's a good story. You should go read it. It's a great it. story. And you know what? I'm not surprised that sketchy things happen I really in love video when, games. when crime uh, intersects with video games. Yeah. it happens all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time. I mean, didn't... I mean, I... We were just talking about how... Yeah, uh, there's like a clan rally in uh, World of Warcraft. Well, there's a clan rally in World of Warcraft, but we were also talking about how... Uh, the microtransactions in a game that I cannot remember right this second. I think, uh, oh yeah, in Counter-Strike, we had a story a few weeks ago how the uh, microtransactions in Counter-Strike have been completely shut down because they were used almost exclusively by money, money launderers. <laughs> yeah, which I think we didn't do on oh, Cypher man. because uh, it, just the timing didn't work out. But that was a crazy story. Well, we'll see what the cipher brings us next week, yeah, Jason. That was uh, an excellent. Uh, do we have a tagline? Let's let's cyber, get ta- cyber cipher. Cyber cipher. Yeah, we, I want that. I also want a um, I want a tagline where it's like cipher decoding, decoding stories for you. Modern. De- yeah. Technology. Internet. I love it. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. This week's episode was recorded and edited by Andrew Bursick. Hosted and produced by me, Ben Maku, and you will be hearing from us next week. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.